first, let's start with this speculation about a possible new federal tax on homeowners. Really? Now, this all started with a report out of Ottawa by Blacklock's reporter. They're an independent news organization there. They do a good job, in my opinion, in Ottawa. And they've got a story that went wild on the weekend here. The federal government taking a look at a federal home equity tax. Whoa, really? The CHCMHC spending $250,000 researching a federal home equity tax in partnership with UBC. Now, this was denied by the government on the weekend, taking a look at the minister responsible, his Twitter feed, Ahmed Hussein. He said the government of Canada is not looking at charging capital gains on primary residences. This is not under consideration. Okay, that's a little different to me than a home equity tax. So I don't know. I think there's some word games going on here. Let's dig into this one now. My guest is Calgary MP Stephanie Cousy. I'm very pleased to welcome her to the show. Hi, thanks for coming on. Hi, Mike. Thanks a lot for having me today. Okay, when you first heard this speculation here on the weekend about a federal home equity tax, I mean, anybody out there owns a home, a condo, a house, a, a duplex, they must have been thinking, what, the government's coming after me here? Like, what, what are your thoughts on this? Is this true, or do you think, the, what, do you buy in the government's denial here? Oh, I, I also saw uh, the minister's Twitter feed, and I am not buying it for a second. We have yeah. seen this time and time again from this government. You know, Mike, the example that stands out to me the most um, is the small business taxes that they tried to implement in the summer of 2017. All the changes that they were going to make, everything from ruining people's planned retirement to making it more difficult uh, to pass on a family business, um, you know, they have done this before where they float these trial balloons and then they try and pull back and say, oh, we were just kidding, we weren't really serious about that, when in fact we know that they were and that they are. I, I think there is 100% truth to the possibility that homeowners should be scared about this potential tax. They've invested 200 and $50,000, as you said. This, in fact, as you know, Mike, I'm sure, policy was passed at the Liberal Convention for a 50% capital gains tax when you sell your home. That, that passed at, the, at their policy convention. Right. So I, I think Canadians absolutely have reason to be worried. Wary, excuse me, they've given us no confidence in the past that they are not serious about implementing a tax. They're doing what they always do as the Liberal government. They float a trial balloon. They put it out there. They see how it goes. If, if there's a big outcry, they're, oh, we weren't serious. We were just kidding. We were just kidding. I think the we scandal, which I know you're having on later in the show, tells us everything we need to know. This is another example of that. Yeah, I'm not buying it either because it has been floated before and the government has consistently said, oh, no, no, we're not really thinking about that. Uh, this was just an idea. It's not really government policy. But one of the things that kind of piqued my interest here was when I was looking at this so-called quote-unquote denial from the government on the weekend. This is the, the cabinet minister responsible, Minister Hussein, and I'm looking at his Twitter and he's saying we're not looking at a capital gains on primary residences. That was his denial. But the original story here from Blacklock said they were, the government was potentially considering a home equity tax, which, which to me is a different thing. Like, like a, a capital gain is when you, you sell your property and if you make money on it, you pay tax on it. Currently, your, your primary residence is exempted from that. So he said they're not, they're not considering a capital gains tax, but a home equity tax 
to me would be different. Like, what if the government came after you and said, we're going to charge you some sort of tax on the value of your home, even if you haven't sold it? That, that would think, I think that's what would worry a lot of people. It would absolutely worry a lot of people. And like I said, this is what they do is they float these trial balloons. They, they, yeah. they're, they are working on how to implement this stuff. Because let's face it, uh, we were in a bad position before this pandemic. We all know the prime minister said he was going to balance the budget by 2019. It didn't happen. We had deficit after deficit after deficit. Now you know, Mike, we're a trillion dollars in the hole. That's terrifying. Like as a mother, I th- I'm sure my great grandkids will be paying this back, not to mention the $343 billion deficit that we're seeing this that we're seeing this uh, year as well. I mean, these are terrifying numbers, and uh, this is like I said, they, we, we were in a bad position from a from a, a debt and deficit perspective before. These these liberals are looking for any possible way that they yeah. can get their hands on more of your money. Ab- absolutely, a hundred percent. So I am not phased by this. This doesn't surprise me um, at all. As I said, they do this. They put out these little these little testers, and, and then if, yeah. if if there's not too too many rumblings, not, you know, or the, or there as as we saw with legislation attempted legislation at the very beginning of the pandemic, where they tried to sweep in all of those drastic uh, taxing powers. But fortunately, the official as the official opposition, we stopped them. Yeah. You know, this is what they try and do: is they try and sneak this stuff in because they have messed up our books. So badly, well, so I, I absolutely think that there is some credibility to to the possibility of this. Well, they they wouldn't be the first government to float a trial balloon. I, I remember conservatives in power floating trial balloons too. I mean, that's just kind of standard operating procedure, I guess, in politics. But here's what I would like to hear from the government: here is an absolutely clear and firm denial that they're not going to do this. That they would not bring in a tax on the value of people's homes. You know, that's what I would like to hear. And by the way. We asked for Minister Hussein to come on the show today. Ahmed Hussein he is the uh, the cabinet minister responsible here. He was not available. Now the government has is in partnership here with UBC and uh, uh, a research organization over there called Generation Squeeze, yep. and they've they've been on I our saw show. That. Yep. Yeah, they've been on our show before. Generation Squeeze has been on the show. And we asked for Generation Squeeze to come on and talk about this research, and we didn't hear back from them. So that kind of, you know, worries me a, a little bit, too. Uh, I would like to hear an absolutely clear, unequivocal statement from the government here that if you own a home, a house, a condo, we're not coming after you, okay? Because if you, list, if you take a look at Generation Squeeze over at UBC and some of the research they've done, They've talked about people who bought a home and basically won the lottery. Every, you know, you, you own your own home, you basically won the lottery. And if the government is going to come after homeowners here, uh, I think there be, could be torches and pitchforks on the front lawn of the House of Commons. So no, be, I couldn't, be clear. I couldn't agree be with you more. Be very clear. Be yeah. very clear with me here. Tell me, tell me the truth. That's all I want is the truth. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and I mean, th- this is the way that they do their legislation as well. We saw this in a lot of the economic uh, support 
um, throughout the pandemic as well, where they're not clear on their legislation, and then they uh, they recognize there are lapses or gaps, and they go back and they try to, to fill them. So, you're, I mean, what what is an equity tax even? That leaves a lot of room. Yeah. So you're right that they absolutely do need to be clear. And, you know, as for um, the generation squeeze that you talk about, yeah. I mean, the, I, I mentioned before the terrible shape that, that they left us in financially prior to the pandemic, never mind now. You know, that also, to me, I think of also all of the places where they tried to, where they should have improved the housing markets, never mind um, this now in terms of the stress tests and how that probably should have been applied on a regional basis. And then things like their first buyer, uh, first time home buyers initiative, which had terrible uptake um, because who, well, I guess we're finding out now, I was going to say who wants the government as their mortgage partner, but you know, so, so they can, you'd be in an even tighter position to pay an equity tax then. So, I mean, there, I absolutely have no confidence um, that there is not something to this. And you are right, Mike. They have to be clear. Be it's, clear. it's They have to be clear yeah. because, uh, they, as I said, they've done a terrible job of managing our finances. We're in a horrible position now. And we have no reason to trust them, none at all. It, okay. Given so many things, as I pointed to the example, the small business tax, and yeah. certainly the WE scandal, as you mentioned, yeah. a, a billion dollars. Why should we believe? them? Why should we believe them that, oh, no, you know, um, that's not true. That's not happening um, at all. You know what? Even if they said, well, we're not going to do it, I don't trust them. I think think that they would do anything that they could at this point uh, in an attempt to to transfer wealth, apparently, to their friends and family. So, uh, you know, as I said, everyone has good reason to be concerned and good reason to be worried. Okay. Thank you very much for coming on today. Thanks, Mike. You have a great day. All the best. All right. I appreciate it. That is Stephanie Cousy. She is a conservative MP, and I appreciate her time today. All right. Welcome back, Mike Smith. As we uh, continue to follow this We Charity scandal that's rocking the Trudeau government here, I've been following this one very closely for a few weeks now. And I'll tell you what, the details of this thing uh, stink to high heaven, in my opinion. When you take a look at the scale of this contract that was handed on a silver platter to We Charity, who's got links to the Trudeau family, you had Justin Trudeau's mother and brother uh, just cleaning up with uh, speaking fees, very lucrative from this organization. Trudeau has now apologized for not recusing himself from cabinet when they discussed this contract. The finance minister, Bill Morneau, has apologized. There are investigations going on all over the place. The uh, ethics commissioner is investigating Trudeau and Morneau, and there are calls now for the lobbyist commissioner to get involved to find out if there is any inappropriate lobbying going on with this contract. Now, have a listen to this. The House of Commons back in session today, and the official opposition and the other opposition parties were just licking their chops here, getting ready to go after Trudeau today. He said last week he was prepared to answer questions. Today he took a day off. He took a personal day on day one of the House of Commons getting back into action. Have a listen to this here now. Now, here's the leader of the opposition, uh, conservative leader Andrew Scheer, speaking this morning. Justin Trudeau cannot hide from this scandal. He didn't make a mistake. He made a choice to hand almost a billion dollars to a charity that has paid multiple members of his immediate family almost $300,000. An organization that employs immediate family members of the finance minister's family and that has close ties to the Liberal Party. This is the kind of scandal you would expect to hear in a corrupt country 
halfway across the globe. Not in a G7 country like Canada. But given the Prime Minister's history, it's not really that surprising. All right, it's Andrew Scheer this morning, the Conservative leader, going after Trudeau there. Trudeau taking a personal day off today. Uh, says, I guess he'll be back tomorrow, and then I guess the opposition will have their chance to go after him here. All right, let's dig deeper into this story now with my guest, Brian Lilly, the political columnist at the Toronto Sun, who's been doing just some superb digging on this story. And I'm pleased to welcome him back to the show. Brian, thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you again, Mike. Yes, it's nice to have you. So uh, you've been doing some amazing work on the real estate holdings of We Charity, which are really eye-popping. I want to get into that for a minute. But Brian, give me your general take on this uh, situation right now with uh, Trudeau and this story and the House of Commons getting back into gear, all these investigations going on. Is Trudeau in trouble here? Because, I don't know, the guy's been like Teflon man in the past. Is this one going to stick to him? Well, they must be worried if he's taking a a personal day today. I mean, I... Look, I, I know everyone needs vacation, even in the middle of the summer. Take time off. I, I encourage people. But I'm looking at his itinerary for today, and it says personal. Yeah. The House of Commons has not been sitting, uh, not in any regular fashion. They decided that on July 20th, they would have a special meeting. The Liberals set up the schedule. He set up this schedule. Yeah. And then he, well, I'm, I'm not... I'm not really going to be there, guys. I know we haven't met properly and fully since March, but I'm going to take a personal day. The fact that he's doing that tells me that they don't want him out there answering questions on this. They don't want his face associated with questions about the nearly billion-dollar contract to um, a charity that they're simply too close to. All he had to do was recuse himself or use the Canada Summer Jobs Program you know, lots of things he could have done. This is something Trudeau brought on himself because he doesn't think the the regular rules apply to him. Yeah, okay. Well, there's an old saying that you can run, but you can't hide. I think it might apply here. So if he runs today and takes a day off, I mean, I guess that's fine. But he probably does himself more harm than good because you give the conservatives a talking point here to point a finger at him and say, oh, he's hiding now. And then he's going to show up tomorrow. You can run, but you can't hide. I mean, eventually you got to face the music here on this thing and take some questions in it. So maybe tomorrow. Uh, so I don't know. Well, it I, seems to be digging in know, a little I, deeper. Yeah, your thoughts. I don't know the the full schedule of the House of Commons. I'm, yeah. you know, I used to be there daily. Now I'm uh, mostly at Queens Park, Ontario's legislature. But I follow both. But you know, this is an odd summer schedule. I, you know, in my. Uh, 15 years up there, I think I went in twice uh, over the summer to actual events happening on Parliament Hill. This is a rarity, but I think it is just today. So he may be able to hide for the next several days. But you're right, they gave the Conservatives a talking point, but they don't have Justin Trudeau, fresh video of Justin Trudeau out there defending himself on this. I guess. Okay, let's talk about this uh, We Charity organization, which a lot of Canadians are learning more about here since this scandal erupted and i think a lot of canadians brian will have heard of we charity maybe their kids are involved in it at school but when you start digging into sort of the details of this sort of labyrinthine structure they got going on here they got these different organizations and some of them are for profit and some of them are private and i don't you know it's it's very confusing you've done a deep dive here on the real estate holdings of we charity which i find fascinating what did you find out 
Well, so I started uh, looking at their real estate holdings because I was just going through their basic financials. As everyone was talking about them, and, and people started saying, scandal, scandal. I was like, well, I don't really see this scandal for the charity. Um, they got offered a contract uh, or a contribution agreement, as the civil service wants to call it, yeah. and, and they took it. And it's not up to them to stop the prime minister from being in a conflict of interest. That's up to yeah. Trudeau. Okay. But people kept talking about it. So I looked at their financials that they have to submit to Revenue Canada. And I know, wait a minute, $43.7 million in real estate? That, that seems high. They only take in $65 million a year. Hmm. So I started to look at um, where the real estate was. And then I started to find out that in this one block of, uh, of you know, it's just outside of downtown Toronto, they own several buildings uh, the Meadowe Social Enterprise, or the business side, uh, they own several more buildings. The Meadowe Foundation owns a number more. Uh, there's an affiliated charity called Imagine One Day International that owns another building. And their CFO, Victor Lee, who oversees the money for pretty much all of these groups, uh, he owns one of the units in there. So there were 15 or 16 parcels of land that they purchased in this one block. So they controlled the whole south side of Queen Street East in uh, Toronto between Parliament and Berkeley, for anyone that knows the area. It's that's, a a pricey real est- that's a pricey real estate around there, isn't it? Uh, well, it's, a, it's an up-and-coming area, as the realtors okay. might call it. So, yeah. you know, they bought low, and they're either hoping to sell high, or what I think they planned to do was knock down a bunch of the buildings, put up a much higher building uh, to house what they have referred to as the We Social uh, Meet a We Social Entrepreneurship Center, and then uh, you know sell condos above it or something. Uh, there was definitely a real estate play going on here. Is there but what's wrong? Started, what's wrong with that though? I mean, if they are savvy and buying real estate, if they make money off of some of these deals. Could they not take the profits and plow it back into, you know, social justice and human rights and all the other wonderful things they do around the world? Isn't that the, isn't that the idea? C- they could, but I was just yeah. speaking to an accountant before coming on air with you who has questions about whether they are actually in violation of uh, Canada Revenue Agency guidelines for charities, given how much has been spent on real estate, as opposed to how much they spend on uh, their program activities. You know, you, you uh, give to we to help people have a better life in Kenya or Ecuador or India. These are some of the places that they're they're active in. Uh, you don't necessarily expect to be supporting a, a real estate empire. And between the charity and the, the business side, and then as I discovered, the family, uh, they've been buying and real estate, buying and selling real estate for quite some time and the odd part is it's all interconnected there's sales between family members properties flipping multiple times back and forth between family members uh victor lee the cfo's family uh has been sold real estate by the charity and by the uh, uh the business side uh, he's bought a condo that faces the 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 lakeshore and the beach in Toronto. Uh, From one part of the Kielberger family, sold it to another part, and then they sold it on to a numbered company. It's just very strange uh, transactions going on. Did I I see that they own own property in uh, Kenya? 
Oh, yeah, I just tweeted out, actually, if people want to book a, a really neat vacation opportunity, uh, you can go to Meadowee Lodges. This is uh, uh, another place that uh, that they operate, and that's yeah. on the business side. But they do own, they did own a number of properties. They own nine different properties in Kenya. I'm sure they own more. But there's nine that they transferred to a private company called uh, We Education for Children Limited. And they wouldn't tell me who owns that company. Hmm. Okay, speaking of Brian Lilly, political columnist at the Toronto Sun, um, have you been able to speak to the Kielberger brothers at all, Mark and uh, Mark and Craig Kielberger? These are the, the very charismatic brothers, uh, grew up in, in Ontario, who were the head of, head of this thing, and I obviously are very close to Justin Trudeau and his family. I like I'd like God. to see I'd like to hear an interview with these guys, see what they have to say. Are they, have they said a word about this stuff? Not uh, in in. Not personally and not in public. Yeah. Uh, they have been issuing statements, and I've been dealing with a generic PR email. I don't even know who is responding to me. And so every time I quote them, I just quote, we. Um, because even though the Kielbergers don't technically work for the charity, and uh, I don't even believe they're on the board, they are involved deeply and intimately uh, but also, when I've sent uh, questions to the uh, me to we PR email, uh, I get uh, responses from the, the we side. So everything's interconnected, probably in ways that it shouldn't be. They alluded to that in their statement last week when they said they were going to look at reorganizing and how their structures are set up, that uh, maybe it's uh, too complex and they grew yeah. too fast. But they haven't, uh, they haven't been out speaking at all. I did ask to speak to them uh, this morning because I have uh, another uh, uh, column on their real estate coming out later today. And I've got uh, serious questions about some of these transactions. And I was told that I could only speak to them uh, to the organization via email. All right, welcome back to the show. That's Mike Smith. Let's talk about vaping in British Columbia. Do you remember back when the BC government had this as one of their top priorities was the increase in youth vaping in our province? It seems to be kind of largely forgotten with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic uh, dominating all our concerns. It was before the dark times, before the COVID-19 mess that we're in. We were talking a lot about vaping among you, among young people. And I think for good reasons, when you take a look at some of the uptick in among young people who are taking up vaping, this is heartbreaking. You know, I see some of these young kids sucking on vapes. What are you doing? It's almost like we're addicting a whole new generation of kids to nicotine. That's what's in these vape products, most of them. you got nicotine content in there. We were doing such a great do- job in driving down youth smoking rates, and then we seem to take a big step backward with vaping and kids starting to take up vaping. I'll tell you what, though. I think there's still a place for these vaping products as a smoking cessation tool. Like if people are hooked on cigarettes, if you can quit tobacco, you can quit smoking and take up vaping instead. I think that's a good thing. I think that's safer for you. I often think about my own mom and dad. I lost them both to smoking. My dad died of lung cancer many years ago. My mom died of a... She had a brutal stroke, and they were both heavy smokers. I sometimes wish I could go back in a time machine and say, hey, try vaping instead. I don't know. Maybe they would still be around. So 
I think uh, vaping rules are, uh, are critical. Now, here's the deal on this. Later today, the B.C. government is set to give an update on new vaping regulations in British Columbia to curb youth vaping. Now, this will be an announcement by Health Minister Adrian Dix and also the Education Minister Rob Fleming. That's coming up a little while here. And I suspect you're going to hear some uh, announcements here about vaping programs in public schools. Uh, and then you will have uh, uh, fleshing out new uh, measures to get kids to stop vaping in British Columbia. Let's check in with Rob Cunningham now, Senior Policy Analyst, Canadian Cancer Society. I'm very pleased to welcome him back. Hi, Rob. Hi, Mike. Good to be with you again. Hey, thank, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. What are you anticipating here from the B.C. government later today on this? Well, I mean, I think we're anticipating and we're optimistic that there's going to be some significant measures to reduce youth vaping in B.C. Of course, we're deeply concerned, and the public and parents and teachers are concerned about the trends. And uh, we've had some recent uh, data. Uh, you know, the B.C. government signaled what they were going to do last November. And since then, there's been more data released that the situation has gotten worse. So in B.C., mm-hmm. over a four-year period, Youth vaping has increased from 11% among grade 10 to 12 to 39%. Wow. It, it is more than tripled. And it's even higher than the Canadian average. So the Canadian wow. average um, has gone up has gone up a lot also from 9 to 29%. But, you know, in BC, it's at 39 And so there's a real need for action. And, you know, the measures that the government uh, was considering and consulted on um, last November are significant. For example... One of them was to have a maximum nicotine level of 20 milligrams per milliliter. At that time, no province had done that in Canada. BC was really moving forward. This is the standard in the European Union. Um, But in Canada, Juul has some products out at uh, at 59, so basically triple the U maximum. Uh, Imperial Tobacco has a product of Vipe, you know, they're changing the name to Vuz, I understand, uh, to 57, you know, and there's others. That's not needed. And so the European Union has demonstrated the viability of uh, a maximum of 20. So you have the product available, uh, you know, for smokers, but you don't have the super high nicotine levels that gets kids addicted. So that's one measure that uh, we're hoping for today, among others. Okay, those are some uh, surprising numbers there you, you just listed off, especially the rates among youth vaping in British Columbia, 39% in British Columbia. What, what age are those kids again, did you say? That's... That's grades 10 to 12, and that is from the uh, Canadian Student Tobacco, Alcohol, and Drug Survey, which is done for every two years, and that number, 39%, comes from the 2018-2019 school year. Wow, okay, that, that's a surprising number to me. I mean, I know a lot of kids are vaping, but that's, a, that's higher than I anticipated, um, 39%. That's a lot. That's, that's a, a lot, lot of kids. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of kids. And are, are kids smoking or vaping, are they all nicotine products? I mean, do any kids vape that vape products that don't have nicotine in them, or are they almost all nicotine products? Well, um, you know, I think this is measuring... Uh, this, this, could, this could include vaping like with no substance in it. Like, yeah. um, but many, uh, I think many times kids perceive that there's no nicotine when there really is. Yeah. Um, there's new regulations that are coming forward uh, to, to say you know, what the nicotine level is. So right now, um, you know, that's not really, you could have all kinds of things that are improperly labeled or not sufficiently labeled. So that's going to change, uh, you know, federally and, and yeah. you know, BC, you know, you know, I expect, you know, based on what they announced last November, they could have some restrictions on packaging and labeling and advertising. 
as part of a package of measures. I, I know I got kids in high school myself, and um, I worry about this stuff because I don't want my own kids getting hooked on uh, nicotine vapes. Um, when I walk by my son's high school, if I'm out walking the dog or something, back when schools were in session, it always used to you'd see kids in, in groups with a big vapor cloud over them. And I almost feel like going up to them and saying, what are you doing? Don't do this. I mean, and the other thing is I found out just how pervasive vaping is in schools when when schools were operating normally. A lot of kids would be vaping in the bathroom. Of course, that's kind of traditional, I guess. But then I found out some kids even vape in class. Uh, I, my, my son's told me this. Like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, it's, it's called stealth vaping. Some of these vape pens are so small, they can just, you can just tuck them in your corner pocket of your jeans, take a quick vape right in class, let the vapor out real slow, and maybe the teacher doesn't even notice. And I'm like, yeah. oh, man, this is terrible. This is terrible. Stealth vaping. You heard of that? Stealth vaping? Oh, I have. Yeah. And I've heard yeah. it many times. And even the, the appearance and size of the device, it looks like a USB key, you know, or yeah. a flash drive. They're tiny. And, and you can't tell a difference. And you can recharge it, you know, in a computer. Um, yeah. And, you know, the companies know what they're doing. And we, you know, need a, whole, a real comprehensive response. You know, BC government does have a tax on e-cigarettes that came into force January 1st. Yeah, they brought, so in, a big, they brought in a big tax on, uh, on vapes, like a 20% tax. Right? We support that. Okay. And one, I mean, there's a whole series of factors that contribute to youth, uh, this increase in youth. There's the advertising, you know, by the, you know, the tobacco companies. There is the, the attractive flavors. There's the low price. Uh, there's the high nicotine. Uh, these are all contributing factors, and so government needs to respond to all of them. Okay, what's going and, on with the what's going on with the flavors? Because I know that uh, health officials have raised concerns about flavors of vape products that uh, you know appear to directly appeal to kids, whether they're candy flavors or cotton candy or tutti frutti or any other kind of flavors that would appeal to to a kid. Are those outlawed now? Well, we we're gonna they're not outlawed. Um, they're they're available for sale. There's there's several potential uh, thousands of flavors that can be sold on the market. We'll see what the government announces. Um, but, you know, right now they're so accessible to kids. They're like in convenience stores and gas stations. And there's no reason uh, for them to be so accessible. Didn't the, didn't, uh, the have, BC, didn't the BC government ban sales in gas stations and corner stores and made them and, and just mandated they can only be sold in uh, age, age-limited, age-restricted uh, stores? Certainly that's what they announced last November that they were proposing to do. Yeah. We'll see what the announcement is today. Okay, that, hasn't um, been imp- that has not been implemented yet. But we're looking for that. We support yeah. that. Okay. Um, we don't sell cannabis in convenience stores and gas stations. It should be in adult-only locations. You know, and having fewer number of locations will make enforcement easier uh, for sales to minors or you know, ensuring you don't have products that don't have a health warning or you know, wrong advertising and so on. So there's no reason it should be on every corner. And we need to have okay. controlled sales of this product. And, you know, that's something that we're looking for. We'll see what the announcement is. What about people who smoke tobacco and cigarettes and who are trying to quit? Is vaping a legit smoking cessation option? So Health Canada has recognized that e-cigarettes are less harmful than conventional cigarettes, right. provided you quit altogether, that you're not using both, you know, smoking and uh, e-cigarettes in terms of dual use. 
So there's not a proposal to ban e-cigarettes altogether. Uh, they should continue to be available and accessible uh, to smokers unable to quit. But we have this huge problem with respect to youth. That shouldn't be happening. And, uh, you know, even for like medical cannabis, uh, that should be available. But you have a limited number of stores, for example, and you have you know proper controls. Right now, we don't have the proper controls on youth vaping and we need them.